Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, just new boot goofing Charette. Ooh, nice. What's up? We're here. We're doing Mike, it. Mike, do you know about new boot goofing? Hmm. Uh, no. No idea. Oh, no. You and any listeners that ha- do not know about new boot goofing. <laughs> You need to YouTube Reno 911 New Boot Goofing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll Lieutenant- be that'll be a series that I binge watch one one point in my life. At one point in my life I will yeah. binge watch that show. I mean, there are definitely episodes that are like unnecessary. I mean, I guess like every <laughs> every every yeah. show, but uh there's some really good points in that show. And I mean the movie uh Reno 911 where they go yeah. to Miami solid solid and i mean there's just so many good things lieutenant dangle one i mean you know lieutenant dangle's great because people still dress up as him for halloween yeah like for sure 15 years after the show ended so yeah you know and and then also you got nick swartzen being terry oh classic the male prostitute so good so good anyway mike there are other there's other good news besides new boot goofing. Word. And I, I need to tell you about this good news. Let's hear it. I, I have decided I'm going to get it. Hmm. Get what? A tattoo? No, no. no. Tattoos. <laughs> I'm going to get it in general, thanks to Rolling oh. Stone magazine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this I is what, what they mean. told me via Instagram over the weekend. If I want something, I should go get it. Yeah, That's, you just got to go out and get it. I got to go back. And now they, they had a post to, to let me know to go get it. Uh, they had a post <laughs> with uh, uh, Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa was out there performing in 2016 in the first video uh, in a place that had a capacity of 280 people, mm. right? Mm. And she's singing, and there's a couple people in the crowd looking at her, and then everybody else is doing their thing. And then they had a video of her this year performing to a sold-out crowd in Madison Square Garden of 20,000 people. Wow. Yeah. And they captured these videos. If you want something, go and get it. Yeah. <laughs> they got now, it. Now, now, Mike, I spent hours deciphering their deep underlying message, and uh, I'm going to try to explain it to you. Um, Please here's, do. Here's what they were saying. Dua Lipa wanted to perform in front of 20,000 people, so she went out and started performing to virtually no one, and in a matter of six years, she was performing to those 20,000 people. That's right. That's, mm. that's the message there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Mike, this post irked me. <laughs> but I'm a cranky old man, so pretty much everything irks me. But this yes! this really irked me, and let me tell you why. First, this post is assuming that Dua Lipa is some shallow performer that just wants fans and fame. Like, mm-hmm. that she's not an artist that really feels the deepest connection to expressing herself through music. 
that she's actually a vapid two-dimensional fame leech. That's what she mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on, yeah. Rolling Stone. What's that come all on. about? I I mean, I, I hope she isn't. She could be. I don't know. I don't talk to her on a daily basis, so I don't know. But We don't know. The second thing that really irked me, Mike, was that this, uh, this post made it look like Dua Lipa was sitting around one day in 2016 and was like, you know what? I'd really like to be a singer. Yes. And you know what? I'm going to go book some shows. And she was like, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. Hey, uh, can I play at your, uh, your, your, uh, your bar? Cool. Click. And then boom, six years later, she was in Madison Square Garden. You know? So true. You know? And mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to tell you, Mike, they skipped some steps. Yeah, they did. They skipped a few. They skipped some <laughs> steps. I mean, what the post fails to mention is that before 2016, before that video, she had already been a successful model. That's a fact. She was a successful model that before that concert footage, she was in Vogue, InStyle, and Elle magazine. On top of that, before that 2016 footage, she was already signed to Warner Brother Records, Mm. the second biggest record label in the world. So true. And then when she started releasing music, she was working with pretty much the most famous writers and producers to make her songs. Mm. Yeah. So she was already getting it. What I'm saying, Mike, is critical steps. (laughs) (laughs) critical steps they left out may i dare say essential steps to getting to that process i would say that very essential yeah for sure i feel like (laughs) i feel like their post as if it as if michelangelo was still alive and creating art today they'd have a video of him like sitting at home flipping a paintbrush and then another video of him finishing the sistine chapel with the caption, mm-hmm. if you want to paint the Pope ceiling, go do it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, what? You left You left some steps. Yeah. There mm-hmm. were a couple of steps in there. And don't misunderstand my analogy, listeners. I'm not saying Dua Lipa and Michelangelo's art are anywhere comparable. Nope. I'm just saying those are two equally unachievable tasks by the average mm-hmm. Instagram list, uh, viewer. Um, yeah. So I thought about it, Mike. <laughs> After I was irked by this. And I've got a couple of suggestions for Rolling Stone. How they could make their post a little better in my opinion. First, if they want a little bit more obtainable. Seemingly more obtainable. I stress seemingly because this is just as unobtainable. But it would seem a little bit more obtainable to the average viewer. Um, How about Post Malone? Hmm. I mean, let's review. First of all, no one is ever going to deem Posty as a model. There's nobody that's going to be like, that guy, he should be on Vogue. No. 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 Second, he achieved his first single, White Iverson, as an independent artist. There there was no big label. Uh, And third, he wrote all of his songs and produced a large chunk of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... Obviously, Mike, the overwhelming bulk majority of the population still has no shot. No shot of getting anywhere close to Post Malone <laughs> yeah. at all. 
Um, but at least you can look at posts and be like, I could do that. Yeah. Barbed wire tattoo <laughs> on my head, I could do that. I got yeah. it. Stony on my neck, I could do that. I got it. But, you know, I mean, I, I just don't see somebody out there looking at Dua Lipa's flawless skin and perfect dimpled smile and being like, yeah, that looks like me. I think I could. <laughs> that seems doable. No. Relatable. No. Yeah. <laughs> they should at least put a disclaimer at the bottom like, you you won't get this. Yeah. It never hurts that. to try, but let's be honest, you're not going to yeah. get this. Like, that's... Yeah. Something like that. Now, the second <laughs> option I was thinking, if you don't want to go the posty route, how about just do something that's far more obtainable, you know? Less long-term, short-term yeah. goal. Let's be honest. Overwhelming majority, again, we're too lazy to make those steps happen. All those <laughs> steps in the middle, that's yeah, that's a lot. Like Too many steps. How about these videos, Mike? Let's show a dude hanging out on the couch with his friends, and the dude all of a sudden's like, you know what we should do? We should get a pizza. Then an hour later, that same group enjoying said pizza. Yeah. Same caption, Mike. If you want mm -hmm. something, go and get it. Yeah. That's obtainable. Way more That's obtainable, and the viewers can relate. They can relate to that. For I'm sure. just saying, it's a satisfying. I did that goal last too. night. Yeah, and it was satisfying, right? Yeah, it was great. Beautiful pizza. And just think, <laughs> if you had said before this, guys, we need to do this. We need to obtain this right now. Just think how satisfied you would have been when you got it. Even more than yeah. you were. You just been like goal achieved. <laughs> like you could even put it on a whiteboard and put a little check beside it. Mm -hmm. Cross it out if that's more satisfying yeah. to you. Very satisfying to do. That's Got a very it. satisfying way There to do we it. go. <laughs> I do love people, by the way, that do that. They make their to-do list, and it's like, wake up. Huh? Check. Did that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you did. <laughs> Sad person. that Their friend has to come in and be like, I uh, didn't get that one accomplished. Oh, he's dead uh, now. Mm. Doc G, you have to add right to-do list on your to-do list. Yeah. So you well, can cross that it. off. There we go. It's accomplished. Done. I'm just saying, uh, Mike, that now we know this. Now that I have righted this wrong, that I know all the listeners were in a rage too, just like me. Mm -hmm. I feel better about it. So me are too. you ready to fire up the show? Let's fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two. One. Zero and lift off. Mike, I know you're psyched. We have a great band today. Yonder Mountain String Band. Love them. Yes. Yes. Great just, band. To, just killing the the jam band and uh bluegrass scene. They yeah. merged the two there in the late nineties. Just that crazy time period of the late 90s. Who knew what was up? There were weird websites, GeoCities. The internet mm -hmm. was a thing. And these yeah. guys were just out there with a banjo and a dream. Going and getting it, Mike. Going mm -hmm. and getting it. They were going and... <laughs> and, they, and they did it. They did it. <laughs> they uh, went and got it. Before we talk about them getting it, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday. 
I don't think this is your your wheelhouse, Mike. <laughs> um, I think there's at least one in here for you. This one okay. is going to be tough, though. This is college football, but coaches. Yeah, not a chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy. Hey, but I, you never know. I know a couple. I know a couple. This guy does make me chuckle, though, I will say. Yes! Um, born on March 9th, 1961 in Susanville, California. Hmm. He moved to Co- Cody, Wyoming when he was young. He ended up going to BYU for college and played rugby for four years. Hmm. He then went to Pepperdine and earned a law degree. Then he went to the United States Sports Academy and earned a master's in sports coaching. His first big break was an assistant coach at Valdosta State, then Kentucky. He then joined Bob Stoops' offense at Oklahoma, where he was the offensive coordinator. His first head coaching job was Texas Tech in 2000, known for the air raid offense. In 2010, he was fired from Texas Tech after becoming the all-time most winning coach there a year before. In 2011, he became the head coach of Washington State. He coached the Cougars for nine, season, nine seasons and won Coach of the Year twice Jeez. in the Pac-12. In 2020, hmm. he took the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Our birthday suit wearer is really into, this is true, Pirates, Grizzly Bears, and the painter Jackson Pollock. Hmm. After a game on Halloween this past year, he made his whole post-game interviews about his favorite candies. Name that birthday (laughs) suit wearer. Uh, No idea. Mm -hmm. No idea. You share a name with him. Mike Leach. Ah, okay. You ever heard Mike? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a weird fella. A peculiar so, fella. You said he likes grizzly bears. Yep. Uh, what was the last thing you said he, he uh, liked? Jackson Pollock, the the uh, painter. He's big oh, into Jackson, Jackson Pollock. Pollock. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And pirates. And pirates. Uh, apparently, like his coaching office is like pirate memorabilia. I'm betting he's got yeah. some real booty in there somewhere. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got some real treasure going down in there. Apparently, <laughs> he is all about pirates' teamwork, which I was mm. like, you know. I mean, there were a lot of pirates doing, uh, I guess you would say, admirable work out there, but you're like, yeah. You know, there is also, I mean, they were known for looting and plundering. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like team teamwork in a bad sense, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I got a feeling like maybe he was into the Raiders growing up, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, your now hometown foosball team there mm. in Las Vegas. Yes. Very true. Very Still true. weird for me to say Las Vegas Raiders. I'm like, yeah, to nah. me, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it's like what time you're born. Because they've been so many places, but I'm still an Oakland Raiders person. Yeah, same. Like that's same. That's who you are. Like, when they went to Los Angeles, it was like, oh, that's sort of weird. That's a fact. That's not really. That's uh, Oakland Raiders. They're a Bay team. They're they're a crappy, misty, 49-degree Bay team. They're not mm-hmm. sunny. The Rams fit 
Los Angeles more, even though I'm yeah. not a huge fan of the Rams either. But yeah, you know. it's a better color palette for that. Uh, city. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then we all know that's what football is about: getting the right yeah. color pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, making sure you got those colors matching your yeah. environment. If not. Mm-hmm. What are you even playing for? It doesn't make sense. Oh. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, well, uh, you do, if you get a chance, after your new boot goof, go look at uh, Mike Leach uh, post-game interview candy. He just okay. goes off talking about his favorite candies, and he's like, hey, candy corn, what's that all about? I don't oh, like yeah. that. Here's what... I'm here's write this what, down. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> he... Uh, He's definitely a nut bar, you know? So, uh, let's see. He's turning 61. 61, Mike Leach. Not bad. Mm. Not bad. Also, I found it crazy because, you know, I mean, he just, he never played football. He played rugby, never played football. How does that work? How do you, how are you a football coach? You don't play football. Well, I, mean, I, I, just... I guess if you get enough degrees, the dude had a law degree. I guess True. he, he, he debated his way into a job. Don't worry mm. about it. I should be here. Anyways, he's doing pretty good now. He makes millions yeah. of dollars and he's living in Starkville, Mississippi. And if you make millions of dollars in Starkville, Mississippi, that's basically like being a billionaire anywhere <laughs> else. So, you know, <laughs> pretty uh, much. Uh, Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Yeah, let's do it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, let's start off uh, the headlines here with a meaningless story about fried chicken. Sweet. Seems like something up our alley. Um, Yes. Red Book released a story on their website about the fried chicken every state individually each state which fried chicken was their favorite hmm yeah neat so obviously you know since you're in las vegas i was like i need i need to find out what what nevada is what chicken yeah. is nevada talking about what uh chicken they're talking about chicken shack in mm. henderson have you ever been to I've chicken not, shack i don't think so no i don't think so i mean it looks good I, you know, I don't remember a time that I've said fried chicken didn't look good, but yeah, <laughs> it looks tasty nonetheless. They seem to have they 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 tend to do mostly uh, it seems tenders and wings. There's not too much okay. just bone in fried chicken, you know. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, our birthday suit wearer there, Mike Leach, uh, that was the other state that came up. I was like, you know what, we poke fun. At Mississippi every now and then yeah, on we this do. show. But you know what? Hmm. There's something that Mississippi always excels in. That's fried chicken. If there's something <laughs> yeah. I can trust, I will take my money out of my bank and place it all on the fact that Mississippi is going to have some good chicken. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. And so I looked it up, uh, and they told me Two Sisters Chicken in Jackson, Mississippi. Hmm. Here, that works. Here's the sad. Here's the sad part. Brace yourself, Mike. Apparently, it's permanently closed. Girl, come on. What? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this this is a new news story from Red Book, and I was like, "What the f- are you doing, guys? What? Not good. What's going on here? You're giving me a place that I can't even go to. I got my heart set on on two sisters chicken, <laughs> and then I googled it." And I'm, I'm just like, oh, oh, come on. 
I was planning on making a road trip to Jackson just for fried chicken. I yeah. stopped somewhere in the middle in Alabama, and they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, fried chicken. And they're like, you're going yeah. that far for fried chicken? I'm like, yes. But now... You're going to Two Sisters, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. But and, and then, and if I would have done it now, they would have been like, uh, it's closed. I hate to tell you. And I would have been like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, no. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, I had to stop on this next story just because it, uh, <laughs> it, it tracked my eyes when I saw it. Um, it came from uh, New Jersey's website. Mm-hmm. NJ.com. <laughs> uh, okay. Their slogan, True New Jersey. Oh. It's, oh, sorry. I added new. Just True Jersey. True uh, Jersey. True Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Tom's River folks that listen to the show. Um, regulars. Uh, regulars. Mike, on the website, they also have an advice page for the True Jerseyans. Um, mm. Amy Dickinson. She doles out the vi- advice there. I don't know. Okay. She, I guess maybe she's a counselor, something, psychologist. Anyways, uh, in this article, the one that grabbed my attention, the title of this week's advice article is, quote, couple drops the P-bomb on their folks. <laughs> I was like, I got to read this to see what the yeah. P-bomb is. Only thing that came to my mind was Mike. I don't know. Did you think of anything else? Like, was there any offensive or salacious terms? Mm. The P terms that you can think of? Because, like, no. I mean, you know, nobody's thinking bomb. That they're like, oh, oh, god, anatomical yeah, guess- parts, like. <laughs> Just, Nothing gross, but I guess I went parent bomb, but I don't know if that would be if that would work. Like we're gonna be parents. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I could see that's that's true. It turns out that in this case, P bomb stands for polyamorous relationship. Hmm. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the listeners okay. out there, you know, just some kind of long term three way, four way five-way, mm-hmm. however many-way relationship you got going on. Multiple partners, loving multiple partners in a in a relationship. Mm. And I thought about Utah it. Utah style. Like, eh, yeah. I don't know if that's really a P-bomb, you know? Nope. Mm-hmm. But as I was sitting there thinking about it, uh, the polyamorous relationship, I did really start laughing, thinking about some, like, dude telling his old conservative parents that he's in a a polyamorous relationship (laughs) like mom dad i've decided me and rachel are gonna move in together say what oh honey that's wonderful that is true oh and jake what jake's moving in with us too (laughs) who who's jake yo jake you know me rachel and jake we, he's my lover too. Yes. Me, Jay, well, he actually loves Rachel too. It's uh, we're playing chess, not checkers, mom. It's a whole, it's a three-dimensional thing we got going on. Sometimes we invite the neighbors too. Ew. But uh, mm. other than that, me, Jake, Rachel, for life. That's what's going on. Like I just, it made me chuckle a little bit thinking about that. But aside from that, I still sort of wonder about P-bomb. You know. Yeah. Not exactly P-bomb. But, uh, Mike, 
it's pretty common for us to have a story about a robbery on the show. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and we've got another one. Got another <laughs> robbery story. Uh, this robbery is in Denver, but it's pretty unique. It was a uh, box truck that was robbed last Thursday morning, uh, and the thieves took a dolly that was in the back of the truck and a box. Makes sense. So true. Mm -hmm. Uh, The box apparently was blue and white cardboard box with science cares on the side of it. Now, uh, what was in the box, listeners are asking? Human heads. Ooh. Word. Yes. Yes. Gross. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Police said that this box truck was delivering pieces of cadavers for Science Cares, which is a program for donating bodies to science to help improve scientific research and education. Hmm. So, I just like... The the questions piled up when I was reading this story, Mike. Like, there were just so many things. First, why is a truck that's delivering human heads for science just sitting in a subdivision overnight? Like, mm-hmm. this is in a neighborhood sitting on the side of the road. Like, eh, we'll stop here for tonight. We got a nice B&B. The heads will be fine in the truck. It's cool. Uh... Second, Literally. Why, why are human heads just sitting in a cardboard box? That just mm. doesn't seem like the best way to keep human heads. Yeah, styrofoam, right? Or some kind of something just insulated? Styrofoam, you know? some kind of cooling uh, agent. Yeah. <laughs> these aren't Nerf footballs. Like, you're not just like, oh, we'll stuff these, cram these down in this box. They'll be fine. Like, third, did the robbers actually know this was a box full of heads? Or were they just stealing whatever was in the truck, you know? <laughs> Most likely. Because if so, they're going to be really freaked out when they get that box home. All right, what do we get? Oh, Jesus! Oh, that was bad. Um, so true. Fourth, if they did know it was human heads and they weren't just randomly stealing things, is there anything you can do with human heads that's not extremely disgusting? Like, no. Yeah. No. I was trying to think of like a, just a fast money, and I was like, there's, I don't know. Like, even if yeah. there was something like, I don't know if you could maybe get human teeth. Huh? I, I, did you know this, by the way? That, uh, uh. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Whatever you're about to say, no, I didn't. <laughs> Probably. It's a good call, Mike. It's a good call. Um,. <laughs> Dent- uh, dental students, though, they collect teeth from people to practice on, to do surgeries mm. on. And it's not, like, illegal, unlike other things. Like, you can't own people's body parts. Like, you know, if somebody had, like, a yeah. leg amputated, you can't go around with it. Like, got this leg. Like, but teeth, you can. Huh. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, like, uh, right. yeah, I had a former student. She had, she was like, yeah, I've been collecting all of these teeth for when I get into dental school. And I was just like, that's gross. <laughs> seems you don't like, like my necklace? <laughs> seems like you're some kind of weird bone collector that's gross. Um, Mike, interesting story from the New York Post. Tasha Yeon. 
Natasha Yan uh, is in the process of, quote, exposing the stupidity of men by setting up a fake profile to reverse catfish them on the app Hinge. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard Evil. of Hinge, Mike. Have you heard of Hinge? I think Hinge is the one where the it's like almost like a social media, right? Where you can comment on their pictures and the, I guess I, nobody I'll has be to honest, Mike. First. This is not exaggeration. I've never been on a single dating app. Ever. What? No. Not one? No. No. I, wow. I'm sure there are some it. listeners out there that are like, it's not surprising. <laughs> this nerd would never go on one of those things. And you're correct, guys. You are correct. Um, nah. They they just, I don't know. It's just weird. And then I get weirded out. Like, I'm like, oh, what if I swipe on this person? They could be a murderer. I mean, they look normal yeah. in this picture, but no. Pass. Like, <laughs> just, you can't trust people, Mike. Can't trust them. Yeah, no, you can't. I got uh, catfished. I mean, well, and look at the Tasha's an example here. But Tasha, yeah. she, here's what she's been doing. Um, she set up a profile. It's her pictures. Mm -hmm. But in the profile, she describes herself as a, quote, super cool, super chill, nope. doesn't take herself too seriously <laughs> kind of girl. Lies. <laughs> when they, yes, apparently, that's where she's catfishing dudes, Mike, because in the story, she let people know she is not a super cool, <laughs> super chill girl. Instead, she describes herself as a nihilistic existentialist. Word. Mm. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the winning bio right there. Right? Right? Uh, so, you know, I mean... Uh, so she's, of course, documenting all of this on TikTok. Why not, right? That's what yeah. you're doing. And Most she views. said, she said, quote, <laughs> no one gives a about what I have to say. This dumb, dumb character that I've created, they want to go out with her. So true. That's what she said in one of her documentations. So a couple of <laughs> things on this, Mike. First of all, if you were a nihilistic existentialist who basically believes there's no purpose in the universe or in mankind, why would you be surprised or care that no one cares what you have to say? Isn't that mm -hmm. what you already believe already? Like, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. This is pointless. Life is pointless. <laughs> like, isn't that, isn't that what you're doing? Second. Pretty much. I got to be honest, I don't know anybody alive that if you said, hey, I'm going to give you the choice of a date. In one corner, you've got this person that's super chill that doesn't take themselves too seriously. And in the <laughs> other corner, you've got a hateful <laughs> bag that thinks life has no meaning or purpose. Who are you choosing? Like, hmm, who's going with the hateful <laughs> bag? I don't know of anyone that would. <laughs> like, oh, man, this... This research study of Tasha's may not be exposing the stupidity of men, uh, more the fact that Tasha may need counseling. That's a fact. I think that's, I think that might be the bigger thing there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying the men are smart. Men are definitely dumb. Uh, mm -hmm. Men are dumb. Tasha needs counseling. That's yeah. 
little bit of talk therapy, something, yeah. I, I you know, I mean, what, <laughs> what am I giving it? Ninety percent of people are dumb. I don't know. I this, yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not. There's not a high percentage of geniuses rolling around out there. Mm-hmm. So no. you know, I mean, very small. Yes. Uh, uh, well, and definitely she's right though. I mean, you know, if I was go- cruising through uh, profiles and I saw. Um, Super cool, super chill. I would be like, next. Nope. Nope. <laughs> next. I mean, because honestly, let's be honest. You always project what you're not, anyway. So exactly. If you yeah, saw yeah. that, you'd be like, totally not. <laughs> totally not. Um, yeah. Mike, big news from <laughs> astrophysicists and astronomers. Yes. Apparently, while observing some quasars. Caltech researchers found something interesting. Hmm. What'd they find? Well, first of all, for all you astrophysicists out there that don't know what a quasar is, you're not really astrophysicists. Nope. But uh, (laughs) they are apparently particles leaving a black hole at nearly the speed of light. That's Mm. what you're looking at with a quasar. Uh, The researchers at Caltech were studying some quasars and realized that these quasars were bouncing in between what seemed to be the gravitational pull of two black holes. Mm. Two black holes. Interesting. Jeez. Now, apparently these black holes are getting closer and closer together, and they're eventually going to collide. Uh, Even though scientists are recording it now, this actually happened nine billion years ago. Hmm. And folks on Earth won't actually be able to see this happen for another 10,000 years. Hmm. Interesting. Now, let me ask you, Mike. Do you think Tasha from Hinge would be interested in this story? Huh? I don't think so. I I mean, (laughs) if you want to feel pointless and insignificant... Let yeah. me tell you about two giant pulls of gravity hitting themselves, which occurred nine billion years ago, and Earth won't even see it until we've all been dead for 9,900 years. How does that make you feel? Hmm. Pointless and insignificant. Come on, Tasha. Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's get. Does that turn you on? You want to jump in the sack now? <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I do got to be honest, Mike. When you study things that enormous on, like, that big of a scale, you know, yeah. infinite size of space, that does just make you seem a little insignificant, right? Like, Yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel like those researchers have to have a hard time, like, cleaning their room, you know? like Yeah, just, what's the point? Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what we need after a story like that? A little pick-me-up from Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. If you want something, go get it, Mike. Go get it. And you know what? We're going to go get it from Yonder Mountain String Band right now. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to do. We're going to hear, personally, my favorite, and I think a lot of people's favorites, Half Moon Rising, right here on the Doc G Show. Right here. There's a house somewhere I know where the fires burn all night long. There's a swing outside on the porch where I feel I could rock away the dust till the dawn. 
even though the wind may now be howling The stars are bright and they push me on and on There's a half moon rising in southeastern skies There's a cold wind blowing across the great divide And the stars they guide my way across the night There's a half moon rising Pushing me on over another mountaintop Push me on, no one ever stop Push me on There's a half moon rising in southeastern skies tonight Now the shoes on my feet The soles are broken down and my coat Pushes me on. There's a half moon rising in southeastern skies. There's a cold wind blowing across the great divide. And the stars they guide my way across the night. There's a half moon rising. Pushing me on over another mountaintop. Push me on. No, I'll never stop. Push me on. There's a Half moon rising in southeastern skies tonight. divide and the stars they guide my way across the night there's a half moon rising pushing me on over another mountaintop push me on no i'll never stop push me on there's a half moon rising in southeastern skies
here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't done so yet, download and subscribe to the podcast. Say what? Be helpful. Be helpful yes. in making me and Mike feeling like we're doing a worthwhile mm-hmm. deed for society. Yes. Like we're going and getting it. You know mm-hmm. what? Yeah. I want in the next six years, guys, a cut of me and Mike doing the show in 2021 and then a shot of us doing the show in 2026 and there being <laughs> 10,000 people around us and us wearing the same costume that Dua Lipa was doing her show in and people mm-hmm. being like, God. They are some sexy-ass performers. (laughs) They did it. They went out and got it. That's what I want, guys. If you can make that happen, I am a a shallow fame leech. Give it to me. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to the show. Come on now, guys. That's right. Uh, Speaking of which, Mike, we we got to thank the folks that have already done so, that are regular Mm -hmm. listeners. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Peoria, Illinois, Piracai, Brazil, Boardman, Oregon, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Anoka, Minnesota, Moscow, Russia, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Katy, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Richardson, Texas, Genoa, Italy, Winfield, West Virginia, and Tom's Ford, New Jersey. Shout out. Good list. Good list, yeah, those it guys. That's a good list. Regulars, you know? I mean, there's just some folks. Did I mention? I think I left them off the... Oh, my God, I'm sorry. I am sorry to Ashburn, Virginia, the most regular of regulars. Yeah, they are. I don't know how I left it off the list. I am sorry, oh, Ashburn, but you are definitely at the top right up there with Jacksonville, Columbia, South Carolina, and Gainesville, and Radford. You are in the top list, Ashburn. I am sorry. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, uh, just a atrocious mistake by myself. I, I apologize. Uh, okay, Mike, here we go. Here's some uh, uh, weirdo semi-regulars that are working to get on that regular list. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Tomball, Texas, Portland, Oregon, Seoul, Korea, Aliso, Viejo, uh, California, Baltimore, Maryland, Brandon, Mississippi, mm. Munich, Germany, McLean, Virginia, Boulder, Colorado, Coralville, Iowa, Detroit, Michigan, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Evanston, Illinois, Bellevue, Florida, Boston, Massachusetts, El Paso, Texas, Garden City, New York, and Norwich, Connecticut. Yes. Semi-regulars. Semi-regulars there. Uh, Brandon, Mississippi. That's right. Not sure where Brandon is, you know? No idea. (laughs) They're doing it, though. Boulder, Colorado, they were getting a jump already, even though we didn't have Yonder Mountain on. They were like, we're getting in there. We know they're Mm -hmm. coming. Maybe they'll give us some new tidbits before they actually go (laughs) on the show. No, guys. No. Nope. No. Um, Mike, I got to pull out the miscellaneous file real quick here. Um, We need to talk about uh, social media for a second. Yes. Uh, Okay. Specifically, Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like Snapchat is different than other social media. Do you? 
Yeah, I mean, they got the location thing, which is kind of interesting. You can mm-hmm. pull up a map and you can see where all your friends are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I haven't been now, on there in a while, though. I'll say a, Snap, a Snapchat story, no different than other social media. But an individual Snapchat, that's different. So true. You know? Because an individual Snapchat is just a picture text with a little ghost beside it. That's all it is. I mean, you're essentially mm-hmm. sending a text message that is a picture. That's what you're doing. Or even if you're just doing the, the text, you know, mode of Snapchat, that's what you're doing, Yeah, right? That's a fact. So I feel like if someone sends you an individual Snapchat that is meant for you, even if they send it out to multiple people, they were thinking, hey, you know who'd like this? Mike would like this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send Mike this. Right. With that in mind, I think if they were thinking of you like that, it deserves acknowledgement, you know? It deserves you as the receiver to be like, hey, I saw that, and here's my response to what you were thinking about me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be, let's, uh, let's say I have a friend in Mississippi, and they send me a picture of two sisters closed, and they're like, sad emoji. And I'll be like, I know, right? That would be my response. Something like that. You know? Yeah. So true. I can't stand, Mike, when a person sends an individual Snapchat and they don't respond. Or they don't respond to my response. Either one. I can't stand it. Really? Yes. I feel okay. like you're abusing this social media if you do that. You don't know how this social media works. Yeah. You should have it taken away. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it right. Because if you, it, what you're doing is, I want attention from you. If that's the case, go on Instagram, go on TikTok, go on Facebook, go on whatever and post your All right? Don't right. send it to me like it's an individualized message and yeah, then don't care about my mean. response. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I see what you mean. Yes. So, yeah. Mike, I'm going to run something past you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to start a list of people that habitually do this to me. <laughs> uh, and the next time they send me an individual Snapchat, I'm going to respond, go f*** your face. <laughs> do you think that's too aggressive? Too aggressive? GFYF or like a whole go Face, no, no. Uh, Go sentence. Face. <laughs> just a whole, and it'll just be me looking at just, just angry, just ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Too aggressive? Hmm. I mean, a little bit, but you know, it's Snapchat. It's social media. Who cares? Like, hey, there you go. I like <laughs> Thank it. you for your snap. All right, all right. You heard it, <laughs> listeners. If you are on Snapchat and you send me one of those, that's what you're getting. That's what's coming your way. Just, uh, just so you know. Note to self: I, I talked it over with a friend, and Mike agreed. So there mm-hmm. you go. Uh, yeah. He also told me it was okay to rob a bank. So. I'm yeah. going to do that as well. What? Uh, Mike, yeah. it's time for the quote of the week. Sweet. Quote of the week. Quote okay. of the week. It's back, man. It's back, and it's All it's right. a regular. It's a regular. Now, I right. felt because of the Rolling Stone post, we needed some quotes about achievement. Mm-hmm. About going out and getting it. That's right. You yeah. know? Now, I'm not going to lie, Mike. I didn't make it easy for you. 
I think the, all three quotes, as the kids say, they totally slap. Hmm. All of them. I don't hmm. know. Do kids okay. still say that? I don't know. Totally slap. I don't. I don't hang out with kids. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I don't know any kids. It's probably good. We don't want Mike to be arrested <laughs> next week on the show. Mike's not co-hosting anymore. He's a pedophile. Be a downer. Um, yeah. Insert whatever saying the kids say here, Mike. I'm starting out with a total banger. Word. A whizzer okay. from Whizzletown. I just made that one up. Huh? Um, All right. I wrote it down. I didn't just make it up. It's, <laughs> it's down here. Um, this one comes from the Dalai Lama. The mm. Dalai Lama. Quote, Love the Dalai Lama. He's a, he's a nice guy. Did you ever see yeah. where he got interviewed by um, uh, John Oliver? It's a good interview. Uh, no. A no, I haven't seen that. It's good. It's good. Anyways, here's this quote. People take different roads seeking fulfillment and happiness. Just because they're not on your road doesn't mean they've gotten lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Mike? I, All I right? like that. It's got levels. Mm -hmm. It's got multiple levels there. I mean, he's... he's, he's uh, analogy of roads... He's got happiness. He's got directions. It's nice. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to stop bringing the heat, Mike. This next one, it's good, too. It's good. Okay. This okay. one comes from Pablo Picasso. Oh, yeah. Pablo says, Incredible. quote, <laughs> the meaning of life is to find your gift. The mm, purpose yeah. of life is to give it away. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? the second half. That's that's what makes it. That's a burner. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. yeah. He came in with the yeah. he came in with the jab, hooked you when you didn't see it coming. Find your gift, give, give it, it away. away. Yeah, red hot chili peppers, give it away. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, last one. I don't know, man. All three of these. This is gonna be tough for you because this one, this one I love doing too. Uh, this one from perhaps one the, the the best coach of all time, John Wooden. John Wooden mm. of UCLA. Quote, don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can do. Right? Right? Yeah. He just turned that double negative into a double positive, listeners. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. That was, I mean, come on. All three of those. Those are pretty solid. You got to admit. Yeah, they are. Those are. are three good really go-getting-it right there. Those mm -hmm. are three go-getting-it quotes. What are you going with, Mike? Who do you think? I like I, find I, your gift and give it away. I like it. You like which find one? Find your gift. Find your gift and give it away. I like that. That's exactly I was, what you I was gonna. To I was going to guess before you said. I could I could tell. I could yeah. tell when you heard that one, you were like, yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I resonate. Mm -hmm. I, I really like... I, I will say, though, I... I, I love that one, but the John Wooden one, I just love the fact his double negative there. I'm just like, yeah, that works, bro. Mm -hmm. That works. Yeah. They're all good. They're all bangers, but that's the quote, guys. That's the quote right there. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Pablo Picasso. Mm -hmm. Quote of the week. Quote of the week. Mike, I've got one story, one quick story we can do before we go to break. Uh, let's see. Which one do you want to hear? I've got one about a storage unit. I've got one about uh, Idaho lawmakers. 
Which one do you want to hear? Hmm. Storage unit. Storage unit. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, police in Cleveland need your help looking for a criminal who broke into a storage unit. Word. <laughs> the th that's not it. That's not it, listeners. That's not the only... <laughs> All right, and we're going to break. Yeah. Keep a lookout for the Cleveland folks there. Um, the thief that broke into the storage unit, let me list some of the items he took. He took a, a concrete saw, a hammer drill, 80 rolls of wire... A jetpack, huh? a camcorder, and a computer. Now, if you didn't zone out while I was reading that, listeners, you probably were like, wait a second. Did you say jetpack? And you jet betcha, pack. I said jetpack. <laughs> jet there pack. apparently was a jetpack in the storage unit. Now, here's what's really <laughs> questionable for me, Mike. In the article, it says the police estimate the contents that were stolen were worth $17,000. Hmm. Hmm. Everything I listed without the jetpack would be worth $17,000. That's a fact. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what jetpacks are going for, but I feel like it's over $17,000. Yeah, definitely. At least... Yeah, 20. Well, yeah, 25. Word. <laughs> I have no earthly idea, but if it's no under $17,000, <laughs> I might just blow that amount of money on a jetpack because yeah. it's a jetpack. I mean, yeah. you're free. You can fly. <laughs> just like, come on. Screw an e bike. I'm headed off on yeah. my jet bike, a jetpack. Come on. Uh, but I, I was thinking about it. I get the feeling this was just a dude who realized he was robbed. And he's trying to get more insurance money than he was supposed to get, you know? Like, mm -hmm. what was in there, officer? Well, um, probably need to replace my jetpack. That was in yeah. there. That's a <laughs> totally real item that needs to be replaced. So, jetpack. Go ahead and put that one down. Like, <laughs> I also feel like if you're the author of this story, you can't just breeze over jetpack. Like, mm -hmm. nope. I mean, that's similar to being like storage container, had a uh, jigsaw, shop vacuum, time machine, what? power drill, some paint. That's about it. <laughs> Wait a second. What was that one? Third one down? Did you say time machine? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've all seen, time machine. We've all seen that. Storage unit, time machine. No big deal. <laughs> like just, uh, but anyways, uh, folks in Cleveland, if you see somebody zip-zapping down the streets on their jetpack... <laughs> Uh, call police, because that may be a stolen jetpack. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Probably. Just keep an eye out. Uh, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear one more time from our guest of honor, Yonder Mountain Spring Brand. We're going to hear two hits and the joint turn brown right here on the Doc G Show. We'll be right back with Dave and Nick. Johnston wants one, two, hits one, two. Adam picking the thing he wants, not just one, he wants one, two. Ben, well, he always wants the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
me, I could go for one or two or somewhere between 30 hits. Now Bob, Molly, and his reggae band. Two hits and the joint turned brown. Playing that reggae music call over the land. Two hits and the joint turned brown. It's gonna be not just Chuck A, but Chuck B. See what I do to our mind in this like with the door, but it's a little bit bang. So a little bang bang. Oh wait, it uh, it must be high country Stella 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 brand Stella 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 Skunkus. Skunk in the monkey, the funk in the monkey, the shake, shake the shake, shake the shake, the dank, the dank, pop the dank, shake the dank, slam the smoke, the dank, the In his reggae band, two hits and the joint turned brown. Then I think I knew the come of a boomerang. Two hits and the joint turned brown. Oh, sweet mama, two hits and the joint turned brown. Oh, pretty baby, two hits and the joint turned brown. Oh, sweet mama, two hits and the joint turned brown. The joint turned brown. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. The fantastic group, Yonder Mountain String Band, who have had 13 albums over the past two decades, and the newest was just released a little over a week ago. We have none other than Nick Piccinini and Dave Johnson. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Doing good, doing good. I really appreciate you guys taking the time uh, to come on the show. I've been, I've been building it up a little bit with my... Um, with my co-host, I, I told him how, how, off the air, I told him how I came across your band. And I wanted, I wanted to tell you guys the story real quick. It's a little bit of a story, but 
I uh, in undergrad undergrad I worked at a gym, and uh, there was this girl that came in uh, all the time, and we called her Pixie. She she's this little happy girl that always ran around, and uh, obviously I'm a guy that uh, has no game. Nope. And uh, so every day my coworkers would be like, Ben, you need to go talk to her. I was like, I can't can't talk to her. I can't I can't do it. They're like, you got to do it. And I was like, I can't. Girl, come on. And so one day I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, oh, there goes Pixie. And they were like, oh, you mean Lizzie? And I was like, you you know her? And they were like, yeah, that's Lizzie. And I was like, you got to give me the details. What's Lizzie like? What's what 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 does she do? What do what can I know about Lizzie? And they're like, hmm. she likes uh, she likes like jam band music. She likes uh, she likes like, widespread panic. And she uh, Dave Dave Matthews band. Uh, she listened to this this group, Yonder Mountain String Band. Word. And uh, at the time, I never heard of you guys. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of that one. I'm gonna go listen to them. And so I went and I listened to all of Elevation. I was like, I really like this band. This is nice. So then that was my in. And the next time I saw her in the gym, she was wearing, I can't remember, I think it was a widespread panic shirt. And uh, I went up to her and I was like, you know, if you like widespread panic, you'd probably really like Yonder Mountain String Band. And she's like, oh my God, I love them. And I was like, what? No way! I haven't been creeping on you. That's totally... I don't know that at all. That's insane <laughs> that we both have the same love of music. But then eventually we... Uh, I ruined it, of course, with my bad, just bad ways of not having game, as I said before. And uh, I lost a, lost a lady friend, but I gained a band. That's a fact. And ever since... I've been a fan of Yonder Mountain String Band. So that's actually the roundabout way I heard about you guys. And it's been uh, 16 years of uh, great listening ever since. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a story about me being awkward with ladies and uh, still loving music. And I think that's the same way I am now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing's really changed. I'm just going to say, like, my game has been like, do you like Earl Scruggs? You know, that's and, and, uh, it worked one time and I married her. So. <laughs> I was about to say that's a. Uh, that's a particular lady that's gonna that's gonna respond to that uh, that question, and uh, I'd say if you got that particular question, it's good that you found that particular lady. <laughs> well, speaking of of that album in particular, Elevation, you know, that's twenty three years ago now. That's twenty four years ago now, almost. Uh, it's been been a long time, obviously. And Dave, you've been in you know you've been in this band for twenty. Four years, give or take. It'll be, it'll be twenty-four years. Yeah, this summer. Wow, wow. Now, I mean, you know, being in this band now with the members you have with Nick in the band, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, um, what you would say a five-way marriage, I guess. Uh, when, yeah. when you started that this band, did you see yourself making like a, a lifelong commitment, or was it just like, hey, we'll get together and jam? I, uh, yeah, no, there was no way I could have predicted how successful and fun it, it would be, end up being. But um, I picked the banjo because I knew I'd be playing it all all my whole life. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm terrible at this, so it's going to take me my whole life to get good at it. And that's perfect. So 
I heard you you didn't come into banjo in, until you were 20 in college. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah, but but once you came around to it, it sort of uh, consumed you. Uh, yeah, that's right. Before before the banjo, I mean, was music a big part of your life? I like to listen to it a lot, you know. And um, um, I didn't really know what bluegrass was until I got to until I was like twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to college, and there was this great radio station there called WEFT. And on Tuesdays they had. Um, Oh, like a bluegrass, newgrass show a guy named Josh Rosenstein put on. And um, w- once I heard that, I was like, good God, what is this? You know, this is amazing. And then uh, I went and got the Earl Scruggs, Lester Flat, uh, Columbia Recordings CD. And um, it was all over from there, you know. I was kind of, you know, I had no game either. So, like, I'm like, I'll just learn to play this banjo, I guess. <laughs> And then, you know, have a few beers along the way. I like it. Yeah, I I find it interesting. You know, I'm I grew up in sort of the area of Appalachian music. You know, I I grew up in in uh, Southwest Virginia. Um, so you know, there's always bluegrass and old time festivals in like Galax and in Floyd and all these areas around me. And so whenever somebody uh, from outside of the area finds it and is like, what's going on? It's always, it's sort of weird because it's always been beside me at all times, like hearing it. So it's, uh, you know, to, to find it, to find this new thing has to, has to be exciting. And it's definitely when you, when you haven't heard it before, it's, it's definitely something different. That's for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. What, Nick, how did you uh, get into the music that you do now? Were you always sort of a, a bluegrass player, or did you work your way to that type of music? So banjo is, is was for me, too. It was the thing. My buddy, uh, he was from Ohio. We were like 11, 10 11, and uh, he got a banjo. He started learning some tunes, and I was like, I freaking love that sound and i want i want to do that i had i had no idea what bluegrass music was mm-hmm. and um yeah so that was kind of the roundabout way like i i my parents got me a banjo for my 13th birthday and we just happened to hear like i'd been playing for a couple months and someone was like you gotta go to a jam there's a jam down at the fire hall i'm like what's a jam <laughs> like as far as i know jam is for your toast you know so we went and then i met a bunch of people i ended up in a band uh pretty much right away which was pretty crazy and that was it like you know then all of a sudden i was like oh what's this bluegrass you know and started diving into listening to a bunch of stuff and yeah and then along the way just kind of picked up other instruments um somewhat out of curiosity and also out of necessity too like i found that banjo players and you know in a lot of ways are like electric guitar players in rock bands right everybody wants to be the banjo player <laughs> you know because it's awesome so <laughs> you know, there's always a hole within a need for you know maybe a mandolin or, or like fiddle a lot of times so just started to pick up other instruments too but now i mean i feel like when when a younger person gets into sort of the banjo and just bluegrass music they're surrounded by older artists I mean, were were there a bunch of young people your age playing with you, or were you always sort of surrounded by older people when you got into the music, Nick? No, there'd be you know there'd be a couple my my age maybe, but for the most part, everyone was like 
honestly, youngest would probably be like 50. You know? <laughs> uh, they were definitely, definitely an older crowd. And uh, for whatever reason, I, as a kid, I, I kind of connected with older folks too. So yeah, it was, it was for me, you know, um, I was homeschooled. I didn't go to, to school, so I didn't, wasn't comfortable with kids my age anyway. Worked out. Um, yeah, and I, I think you you uh, you learn a lot about kind of life too. Like you know, it's it's good being around older folks when you're learning how to play on stage and and what it means to be professional. And they have a lot more insight. You know, if I was in a band with kids, we'd just be a bunch of punks, I guess. You know, <laughs> which usually happens. That's yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, speaking speaking of that that crowd, that age, Dave, when you guys started Yonder Mountain, was were you looking? to create because i mean you know a lot of people when they typify what yonder mountain string band is it's not sort of that just traditional bluegrass it's a progressive bluegrass or it's a you know it's framed differently than that traditional bluegrass would you say you guys started and said we're gonna be traditional bluegrass was that the mindset when you started no no not at all i mean we like it was impossible to not love traditional sounding bluegrass. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first guys that I ever saw play a banjo live was this cat named Joe Mullins. And he played in a band that literally the name of the, the group was Traditional Grass. <laughs> he was, a, was and still is, he's an amazing banjo player. And very, but I didn't really make the distinction about what was traditional banjo or not because that guy rocked so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? on i guess you would call them traditional sounding tunes you know but like to me like there's nothing since i came to it so late like a song like foggy mountain breakdown would do the same thing to me that like ben eldridge's i know you writer would do mm -hmm. it was just sort of like this overwhelming like feeling that like whoa this is i can't believe one guy is doing that on one instrument mm -hmm. and and so we kind of Yonder Mountain, we didn't have like that kind of categorical thinking about traditional or non-traditional. We just had the songs that we that we know like really spoke to us and and you know that we tried to learn as as best we could. And um, you know, a lot of bands are in there like Seldom Seen and Hot Rise, and then also bands like you know Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs and a lot of, a lot of Stanley Brothers, Jeff. And I really wore out a lot of Stanley Brothers uh, live at the Smithsonian with Royley Centers. I know that was one that was, you know, we had tapes back then. That's what we did. Yeah. So you know, um, we listened to that like over and over and over and over and, and uh, all that. We, I, like I said, though, we weren't like trying to be like, you're not just, you're not going to sound like the Stanley Brothers. So, you know just stop it <laughs> from Illinois. You don't, you don't talk like that. <laughs> you, know, you know, we, you know, it all gets filtered through, you know, each, each of our individual, you know, senses of enthusiasm and stuff yeah. like that. So, and you know, from where we come from, but we, yeah, we're traditionally like, I'm sorry, waffling a little bit, but we really weren't beholding to any like aesthetic about, you know, traditional or new or anything like that. We just know we wanted to go out there and like rock it and mm -hmm. play them and go fast and you know nice nice hard stanley brothers uh hometown hometown heroes from around my way oh man uh, I, yeah it still gives me chills listening to the stanley brothers you know <laughs> pretty you know, just 
whoa yeah amazing. yeah know, that singing is amazing mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well now uh i mean speaking of you know your your different sound and wanting to play fast and and wanting to bring that attention on the stage i got two things about that one you think that's what sort of attracted the younger crowd to your music oh yeah i mean you know that we prioritize energy over propriety and stuff like that and was definitely a thing and i you know like honestly there was a lot of kids our age like when we started like in their mid-20s or whatever who were like had probably never heard anything like this before Mm -hmm. you know and then like oh brother where art thou comes out and it's goofy and you know you get like a big national saturation with this type of music and suddenly everyone's curious you know yeah yeah well uh, with that too i've heard uh since nick you you've came into the band that's one of the things that you sort of reinvigorated the band with was was your energy is it has it always been a priority of yours to like you said you learn from the older individuals as far as that stage presence has it always been a priority of yours to bring as much fire as possible on the stage um i honestly it's it's weird but i think that what happened was what i learned from a lot of those older guys was how to play it cool and like you know, flow from one song to the next, how to dress. Like there was a lot of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, how to t- talk on the mic even, which I hate doing, but like <laughs> um, I learned a lot of good stuff like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same as like what Yonder has. It wasn't, you know, that kind of like where there's that like almost like physical, like investment in the, in the, in the music, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of why, I play the way I do and and um, why it works. It seems to work, you know, I, I feel like it works really well. <laughs> it works. Same with these guys. Um, <laughs> it works. Is that, is that we're all just kind of feeding off of the uh, that internal excitement that we feel because of the music that we're playing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it's coming from the background that I, I do, getting to kind of let your hair down, not wear a suit and tie, and not have to worry about playing every note perfect mm-hmm. um that's really freeing and it just kind of leaves you with this just like really excited feeling you know you're just it's you're just going for it mm-hmm. and it makes it really easy to do that and um playing with these guys is and gal is really <laughs> exciting to me it's uh yeah i don't know i don't know that i could tame it so <laughs> for sure do that <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if any of the uh, the audience is looking for for taming. That's for sure. Uh, well, now the the current lineup. Uh, you know, we got two new members in the in the current. Well, semi new members, I guess you would say. Dave, I, it doesn't seem like Yonder Mountain String Band would be a, a hazing type. But uh, is the, is there any is there any initiating things where you like Nick? We wear pink on mondays what you're gonna have to that's what we do is there anything they needed to know coming into the band i you know i'm not aware of any intentional (laughs) hazing that i have done (laughs) however i'm I'm, like i'm kind of a manhattan guy nick likes gin and tonics (laughs) no i no no we don't no we're not really like i mean a big a big thing is uh we're like do you want to go get some coffee that's like our that's our hazing ritual. Like, let's go up and take a walk or 
you know that seems pretty light that doesn't seem too bad <laughs> yeah right we're not yeah we yeah we, we're more of a well it's noon you want to go find the coffee shop and we'll walk over there and you know maybe go take a little walk around and you know just kind of visit and hang out you know <laughs> At least that's how I see it, Nick. But there, well, there's the only story. the only thing the only thing I can think of is the Mexican. Like, don't go to Mexican because mm. if you oh yes, Mexican food. If we invite you to Mexican lunch, mm. that means you're probably getting canned. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm writing it. Dinner is safe. I'm writing it down. If I ever if I ever get initiated in the Yonder Mountain String Band, watch out for Mexican lunch. Oh no, no. Well, that's interesting, huh? That's a well. Speaking of that, I always and this. I guess this is uh, Dave. You would you would know the best. I always ask this question. You guys uh, had your start there in Nederland, uh, Colorado. If I come out there. And I call you up and I say, I need a place to eat. It's a pretty small place. Where are you telling me to go? In Netherlands? Yeah. Man, I don't even know anymore. You, I haven't been up there in a little while. Okay, this you can good. you can you can expand to Boulder if you want. You can expand to the, the greater region if you want. All right. Okay. Well then um let me see. There's a really great place right down the street from our house called Nopolitos. Mm. I'm not saying Mexican to be funny. It's really <laughs> good. And uh, the margaritas are good, and they're inexpensive, and, and we like it because you can just kind of ride your bike there. Nice. That's a good spot. And then there's, you know, there's uh, there's lots of good pho, Vietnamese noodle soup everywhere. You know. Nice. Uh, there's a really good uh, barbecue place up in Nederland. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, though. And then there's a good pizza place up in Nederland, too. Man. So, Lots of, I mean, there's lots of good food. Boulder has lots of food all of a sudden. So, well, we've we've got a couple. We definitely get some uh, listens from from Boulder on the podcast. So, shout out to all our our Boulder listeners out there. We appreciate it. Shout out. Getting back to the the band, I always have to get my. I just in case you know, I traveled to Boulder. I got to have a place that I got in my back pocket that I'm like, oh, you know what? Dave from Yonder Mountain String Band told me to eat here, so. I've got to eat here. You know, just so people know, I've got the in. I've got, you know, I've got the... And then if it's bad, I can blame it on you. And you're not there oh, to totally. fail, I'll you take, know. I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, Nick, you, you jumped into the place of Jake, uh, who replaced Jeff from the original lineup. And I know I had, I had heard in some other interviews that, that Jake did feel some pressure filling Jeff's place. Have you ever felt any pressure since you've joined the band? Have you felt, you know, pressure to to keep it original or to keep it the way they've had it or anything like that since you've been in the band? I, I think it would be pretty much impossible to not feel some pressure. Um, not that it's been necessarily put on me. I mean, that everyone else in the band has made it pretty clear that like, hey, we want you to do you and just kind of be yourself. Um, don't worry about that. And uh, and the fans have even been really um, accepting and I haven't felt any any pushback there either. Like I haven't been made to feel pressure, but I think that there's just that knowledge of, you know, what they built with Jeff and, you know, and then after after Jeff having Jake, who was just so like so super shreddy and just could play anything and uh, me coming in and not even really being super familiar with mandolin as an instrument. Um, it was definitely not my best instrument. 
yeah, it's kind of kind of a, a big undertaking. But at the same time, it's like when you get asked to do something like that, and it's kind of like a dream gig for me. I'm just like, all right, you're gonna do it. Just suck it up. You're gonna just you're gonna lock yourself away with the, with the mandolin and try to practice as much as you can and and uh yeah just do the best i can and yeah i don't know it's it's a weird thing man like i go back and forth sometimes sometimes i get in my head a little bit about like well you know when i'm learning like a new jeff tune well an old jeff tune that the band wants me to do and um you know trying to to do it justice mm-hmm. at the same time you know kind of put maybe a little of my own spin on it um it's a fine line well, I, I, I was about to say on on both of those fronts, uh, would you would do you think, in your opinion, over the last you know two years or so that you've you've improved a great? I'm guessing you feel like you've improved a great deal on the mandolin since you started. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting to the point where it it's what I gravitate towards at home. Like I, I go and I grab the mandolin mm-hmm. over anything else. Um, it's you know there's an enjoyment there now because just the familiarity with the instrument. Plus, everything got way better for me when I got a new mandolin in October. So, um, finally found one that I really connected with and that was easy to play, had a great sound, and that made all the difference for me too. Just really being able to, you want it should be fun, right? Right. You want to be able to play and, and enjoy the instrument. So for sure. And, well, and then the the other thing you were mentioning there, I know there's got to be a fine line between uh, playing what the original is and putting your own spin on it uh, how how tough is that in i mean is it easier in i'm guessing it's much easier in those live performances because you just sort of get to go for it on stage yeah i think that the the main thing i've tried to um well i don't even know how hard i've tried but it's something i'm conscious of uh is just when doing like a jeff song trying to tap into just the overall energy that he had right mm-hmm. and um not that i could even match it per se but like just the passion of it right and uh, and not worrying so much about well am i singing it exactly the same or playing the same thing um i don't think that this band has ever really worried about that mm-hmm. so much either um it really is it's all about the energy and the vibe and um that's kind of that's the forefront right so just kind of getting out of my own head and, and putting myself in that, you know, that way of thinking of just, okay, this is, this is kind of what it felt like when I listened to the song. So now when I play the song, I'm going to try to feel that same way, you nice. know, and, and go to that same headspace. Yeah. And I, I think that works for the most part, you know, for sure. For sure. Well, now this is the, uh, 13th album overall as a group. This is the first one that you were on, Nick. And it seems like you, I mean, you jumped in. You jumped in swinging. I mean, a lot of these songs I heard were sort of coming from you uh, into the fire. Was that one of your songs originally, sort of? Yeah, that was really a melody with uh, the Out of the Pan Into the Fire. It was like, I was like, all right, it might be a cliche, but I think that's, I think you could build a song around this. And then uh, we just got on Zoom calls and, and uh, started working out some some words. I mean, I, I think I wrote the majority of the lyrics, but um, there was a lot of input from these guys. Um, kind of, they were the catalyst for a lot of the stuff. So there was that, and then I wrote the uh, the instrumental 
that goes before it uh out of the pan right yeah. so you got the two and yeah um they were they were really cool about letting me get creative how, how was it dave uh you know starting start starting with a new member like that obviously coming into it already having written so many albums in the past um you know i i mean probably the only thing that i'm really important about is writing you know <laughs> and, and uh because that's sort of it's just such a great idea not idea but a great way to be you know it's like you make we're all here together and you know you get to make you get to make something and mm -hmm. share it with people in your own particular form and so i mean nick shreds the banjo and he shreds the violin and the and the and the mandolin he shreds that it's a great singer and and he's you know plays his part and he's really contributive but the thing i put above all that stuff is that his willingness to uh write songs and and share them and he did write i mean into the fire i i can't think of i think he wrote 95 percent of that and the rest is just sort of like little line edits that we did you know and and uh beside myself the same same way you know and uh no like left is a fantastic song I, you know that was i don't think anyone had anything wrong with that or so i i don't know to me like that's that's what i want out of every everyone <laughs> you know like there's like so many i mean virtuosity is like it used to be really uncommon but now it seems like it's really common these days and you know there's a lot of people who can do a lot without saying anything mm -hmm. and um or at least i i'm not cool enough to hear what they're saying with it you know so which i'm fine with um um i that uh, i mean i really do value that uh, highly in all seriousness it's a, yeah. it's a big deal to me i mean that's why we're here we're here to communicate with people and connect with people and you know uh, use our voice and let all the voice let them all come in you know like let it all let everyone have a seat at the table and say something it's super important and, for sure yeah for sure well nick you you know you mentioned earlier sort of a dream job for you to to come into this band were you uh were you nervous about showing i mean you know if i was if i was coming into a dream job and i had these people in front of me that i was so excited about and then i have this song i'm like oh crap this might not be good enough were you were you thinking in your head like this they're gonna think this is stupid oh totally <laughs> i mean i still do every time i bring a song i'm like they're gonna yeah okay i i can even almost i can almost hear like adam i can hear like commentary already when i'm writing something but at the same time i'm like eh, i don't know uh sometimes like you do you write lyrics for like placeholders too you know so i'm like yeah this is probably going to get changed but um i don't know i think that the the heart of the song is good so i'm just going to put it out there but it's it's nerve-wracking yeah it really is you guys are good writers and it's scary sometimes well, now when when you know they they jumped on into the fire, and I mean right now into the fire um, is 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 really the the one that's uh, jumping ahead, and as far as streams and whatnot, when when they accepted it and they got really excited about the song, were you like, oh my, did that just happen? Were they were they excited about my song? I think if they if they like any part of any of my songs, I'm like, really. <laughs> <laughs> As a longtime member, uh, what Nick is describing happens to me too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is this? 
I mean, is this really too weird? I'm going to show it to him anyway. <laughs> Pretty weird. <laughs> I think that's a common thing that I've heard from so many just artists in general is regardless of how long you've worked with somebody, you still have this idea of like, ah, Oh no, this is good enough. Is this is this just weird? Is this out there that they're gonna be like, what the f are you showing me right now? So I mean, I I I, I think it's a it's a fairly common thing. It was speaking of the um the the new album uh, and going back over the the catalog there, one of your the most popular songs you have, especially on on Spotify, is is one of the covers. Uh, there, Dancing in the Moonlight. I, I was wondering because, you know, I've heard you do a lot, especially in, you know, in concert like uh, No Rain. And how do you choose w what you guys do as far as covers? Uh, there's no criteria. <laughs> it's just uh, whatever whatever the band likes? It's sort of, yeah, it's like a, oh, well, let's try that. You know, we'll try it a couple times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, something, I mean, not all of them stick, obviously, but, mm -hmm. um, but dancing in the moonlight is just—I don't know—it's just kind of a silly song and goofy and lighthearted, and you know, um, uh, you know they don't fuss, they don't fight, so people like that. A great '70s one-hit wonder. It's—it's it's one of my favorites. The only—I think the only '70s one-hit wonder that I put above it is Brandy. That's that's the one one hit wonder I put above old King Harvest there with uh, yeah, right. But uh, I mean, did you when you made that song? Did you think like, oh, this will this will get ten million streams on Spotify? Like, oh God, no, no. <laughs> just just a fun I, thing, I, right? I for one, I'm like, really, we're gonna do dancing in the moonlight, huh? Okay. Like you know, we're getting on that jazz elevator. Let's do it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't offend you though, right? Like I mean, because I, I I know some I know some artists that it's just like that's not our that you know that wasn't meant to be that that's not our our own stuff. Oh no no, like I like I said earlier, you know, like like bring bring in all the stuff, you know. <laughs> like, let's include as much stuff as possible, you know, and and. uh you know, dancing in the moonlight, it works. People love it, you know? And it's, what do you mean there's like a bluegrass band that plays dancing in the moonlight? And we're like, ha ha, we got you. <laughs> you know? Looking Glass. That's who I was thinking of. Brandy oh, by oh. Looking Glass. That's... All right, I'll look, I'll look it up. If, if you're thinking about on any new albums, you're like, let's throw in a 70s one-hit wonder cover, that's it. Go for it. Yes! Go for, I'll, I'll be the first to stream it. I'll be the first one to stream it. Like right now, I've been angling for some Blondie, you know? Like her bands were great. Oh, yeah. I could definitely yeah, go for some Blondie. Let's... Yeah, no one's touching Blondie, and you're like, this is such good music. Oh man, yeah. Well, it's it's funny. We're I was talking to an artist. Uh, I was talking to a group two weeks ago. There, uh, Stone Broken from the uh, the UK, and they're like a they're like a hard rock band. And uh, their lead singer had been in an interview, and he's talking about how much he loved. Uh, uh, he, he had a couple of these Miley Cyrus songs that he loved, and you know, uh, uh, a couple people were giving him a little bit of crap for liking Miley Cyrus since they're this hard rock band. And he was like, you know, a jam's a jam, man. It's a, a song's a good song, regardless. You can get yeah, around absolutely. it, and so. Absolutely. 
you know, you put it, you put it to bluegrass, you put it to, you know, funk, you do whatever to it. It's still going to be a good song. Well, uh, now before I, I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, shows you've got coming up here in the month of March, because we got a lot of them in Florida. But before that, I did want to reach back real quick and ask you two questions, Dave, that I saw of the past. If you could enlighten us a little bit, these two these were, I mean, you've got to do some really wild things, some fun things over the, you know, 20 years that you've been in the band. And these two, just looking back through the years, these stuck out to me. I saw in one interview, and I don't know who it was because they put you in a general group there. They just said Yonder Mountain String Band. And so I don't know who was actually saying this, but apparently you guys were at a party in LA, rap party in LA that uh, you and you crashed a late night talk show host's party and that's there, true and there was there was a broken pipe and you needed to replace that pipe of that late night host show's party can you yeah. give us any more information about this party oh well yeah i mean i'll tell you so we we wrapped our second album with a guy named tom rothrock mm -hmm. and he lived up in the hollywood hills and he lived next to the late night Mm -hmm. show host mm -hmm. and um one day as we we're finishing up the record the you know the late night show host's assistant comes over and he invites us to this party and we're like oh cool that's the last day of this this show or last day of recording and we'll be done and we finish recording the record and we go to this fantastic sushi place on ventura boulevard mm -hmm. and we had just been kind of like acquainted with cold sake mm -hmm. You know, and so we all had, you know, and we drink it, you know, you drink it out of the bamboo. It's all very cute and mm -hmm. wonderful. And uh, we, uh, you know, we had some sake. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we go to the uh, uh, the late night show's party mm -hmm. and he comes up and he greets us. And we're looking over there and, you know, I'm just going to say like, it's like the man show is inside. Remember that show? <laughs> I remember that show. Was this guy maybe associated with that show at some point in time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And, then, uh, and we're and so they're all over there. We're like big fans of the whole thing, anyway. Yeah. And so we're starting to get pretty nervous. And um, he comes up to us. He goes, "I'm gonna make you guys some margaritas." We're like, "A plus, sure." And he's like, "And oh, here's this pipe." <laughs> you know, like we're already nervous. We're like, "Sure, let's calm down, smoke some weed." <laughs> yeah. That won't make us feel weird. <laughs> and then um, uh, we already we're already kind of impaired anyway. And, yeah, the um, sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then um, just handing the pipe back and forth between uh, some members of our party, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it got dropped and broke. Oh no! At, at which point, you know, the producer who was with us is just you know, like, maybe we should get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what we did. We went back to the hotel, and the, I think yeah, the Beverly Garland Hotel mm. before we went back. And then we proceeded to have this night that was just bonkers <laughs> off the chain, like people crawling up the walls, and like, like I I passed out and hit my head on the desk, and then I think I threw up all sushi. And it oh, man, you know, yeah, and the it was definitely wild and, and crazy. Now, but it was a really fun night too. Now, do you know uh, if that said talk show host was he a fan of your music prior? No, no, he was not. He was just being a good host, just coming up to you. He was just being a good host, yeah. And then, yeah. and then you broke his pipe. And then we broke his pipe, <laughs> yeah. But 
but we you replaced we got it. Another one. Yeah. You know, but you know, now that I think about it, I think I'm conflating the night of the Beverly Garland with that night. Mm. Now that I think about it, the next day after the Beverly Garland, we were supposed to play in San Diego, but the festival got canceled. Mm. And this one, when we broke the pipe, I remember I was cogent enough to go into the weed store and buy a pipe. <laughs> Do it on the on the same. You replaced it the same night. We were we went and got one that morning. Oh, the morning afterwards, before we left town. That's, that's so courteous of you. That's so nice. I, I believe we had we had Mexican for lunch. <laughs> You fired yourself. Oh, no. Uh, uh, it's horrible. Well, that, okay. I feel like I've got much better of a grip on the story now. That's nice. The, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about that just seems like such a cool thing was you got to open for Barack Obama at the, the uh, Democratic National Convention there back in 2008. Yeah. Now, this was before he became president, right? This is when he accepted the nomination. It was at Mile High Field in, in Denver. So. How was that experience? It was amazing. Yeah, you know, like, I think Rihanna was there, like, you know, at the, the snack table. Mm. Like, whoa, <laughs> Rihanna. Now, I heard, yeah. now, was, was this? Tom Legend was there, and, you know, Oprah Winfrey and Jesse Jackson. And, um, and then Yonder Mountain String Band. Yeah, and then Yonder Mountain String Band. We got to see Stevie Wonder sound check. Ooh. Yeah. He played Spain by Chick Corea. It was amazing. Man. Um, I was warming up. Here's a funny story about that. I was warming up the banjo in, in the hallway from out of this really weird door. You know, there comes a Secret Service agent. <laughs> and he comes up to me, he's like, I'm going to need you to move because we can't hear our listening posts because your banjo is too loud. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's yeah, so. don't don't need to pull any weapons drawn. I will move. Yeah. My signal to ro noise ratio probably wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard I heard Oprah sort of shut things down backstage more so than Barack. Yeah, yeah. Oprah. <laughs> I mean, whatever level Oprah Winfrey was on, like it was hermetically sealed. <laughs> I think Cheryl Crow's guitar player got stuck there. Oh no, man! And then as, as me and Adam left the after the gig, we I'm like, let's get out of here and we can go home and watch this. I don't want to be here. It's crazy. It's we were walking out, and then as we were walking out, Barack Obama's body double was walking in. You mm. know, you're like, whoa, that looks Just, like Barack Obama. It's not Barack Obama, but it looks pretty close so, yeah. sort of want to get an autograph from him and just be like this I, is you know, fake a barack obama's signature yeah or just sign it as the body double <laughs> <laughs> barack obama's number two body double yeah, there right? we go <laughs> That's uh, that answers. I I saw those two two incidents, and I was just like, I gotta I gotta ask more about these. They just seem like I mean, that's the kind of stuff. It's it's been a fun ride, hasn't it? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, that stuff's hilarious. <laughs> well, I mean, there's more to come. You guys haven't you guys haven't been able to tour, obviously, because of COVID. It's been it's been a little rough. Uh, you guys had to stop your your winter tour got sh uh, cut short there. How excited you got! You got a whole bunch of shows here in the southeast coming up all through March. How excited are you for these shows? Very super, super. Yeah, <laughs> you want to go over that? <laughs> We're so excited now, Nick. Have uh, I'm guessing you haven't played the southeast with Yonder Mountain yet, have you? Uh, I have. Um, well, but we're going to Texas, and I have never been in Texas. Mm. 
Well, good thing That's you got right. a fiddle player in the band because you need one of those yeah. in Texas. That's <laughs> solid. Lead guitar is hot, but not for a Louisiana man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've got four shows in Florida. How, do, how does Florida, you, you don't, don't worry about our listening audience. How does Florida treat you guys? You can tell us honestly. I think it treats us really well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, even even in Fort Lauderdale, we have a good time. Right. You know, people rage. And yeah, I think that maybe Florida gets a bad rap. I don't know why, <laughs> but I like it there. It's because people are jealous of our, our warm weather. That's usually what it is. They, you is know, that what it is? I think, I think yeah. it's, 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 it's jealousy. That's what I tell myself. Nope. Um, All right, good, good, good. <laughs> but now, uh, I mean, speaking of that warm weather, you guys just did Winter Wonder Grass Festival. And it looked chilly. It looked very chilly to me. Uh, and I, I couldn't help but think, you know, I don't play string instruments too often, but uh, when I do, I need dexterity. Uh, is that is that an issue when you guys are playing a, a show like that just the other night? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it really is. And really, Dave gets the uh, he gets the Medal of Honor for being the banjo player in that weather because that's just like that's the worst instrument to play in in the cold it really is you're wearing metal finger picks you know so like my hat's off to dave it's maybe an amateur would have problems in the cold <laughs> not me it's not not after these decades of training i'm used to it oh yeah i like it i like it uh, the, the confidence um well, are are there are there any shows in this lineup here over the next couple of months that you're especially looking forward to? Since I mean, uh, you know, COVID knocking them out or somewhere you haven't played. It's hard to pick one. You know, I love being in the South in the springtime. That's a really, it really is a special place. You know, um, it's just you know, it's like fragrant and nice and warm. And, you know, it's a real change of pace i'm looking i'm just looking forward to getting out there and, and playing you know 100 percent, 100 percent. honeysuckle and bloom and yonder mountain string band on the on the radio that sounds that sounds really good to me um uh, now uh as far as the last thing what song do you want us to play off of the new album here what are you feeling nick dave what do you think i'll defer to nick okay nick what do you want to hear well, I was gonna say I love Suburban Girl. I think you should play that song. Oh, it's such a it's it's mellow, you know, but mm -hmm. it's it's such a beautiful song. They right. did a great job. Oh, thank you. There we go. There we go. I love it. Well, Nick, Dave, that's called, that's called job security. There, <laughs> it was fantastic. You couldn't have a better writer than that. That's amazing. <laughs> Just send me your Venmo, Nick. Just a little right. just a little pandering at the end of the interview. It's always good. <laughs> Nick, Dave, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for having us. For yeah, thanks, man. For sure. Yeah. Listeners, make sure you get the new album. Get yourself outside. You can check out all things Yonder Mountain String Band at their website or follow them on social media at Yonder Mountain right now. Let's take a listen to Suburban Girl right here on the Doc G Show. I'm riding on my Santa Cruz Skinny legs, skinny shoes All a poor boy could want All a poor boy could use I know your dad is asleep 
I know your mother's fried Grip tape got a hold of me And everything's alright Get yourself outside Won't you come and go It's not a lot to the world Make up your mind, suburban girl You see me standing in your yard You pop the window screen now you're popping off the top Your brother's deck's a dream Raving down the stars Oh how your heart was flying Said you're gonna get out Well you're gonna die Get yourself outside Won't you come and go There's not a lot to the world Make up your mind, suburban girl It's gonna take another hundred years Of fairy tales Get you out of here Long distance calls Crashing waves, breaking up again By the way It's not a lot to the world Make up your mind, suburban girl It's not a lot to the world Make up your mind, suburban girl I'm riding on Santa Cruz Skinny legs, skinny shoes All the poor boy could want All the poor boy could do Here on the Doc G Show, Suburban Girl, new song, Yonder Mountain String Band, have their new album. That's a Dave Johnston classic right there. He wrote that one. Fantastic job security for Nick. Mike, what's your favorite <laughs> Yonder Mountain String Band song? Uh, Dancing in the Moonlight? Is that the title of the song? But man, it that is. song. That it was is. my Hawaii theme song. That was my vacation theme song i played that song like Sweet. 20 times while i was there nice well you know we chatted about it it's a it's a 70s one hit wonder yeah uh, the beautiful. the original king harvest yes! is the uh is the group i don't know if you ever heard of king harvest but mm -mm. that's the actual band it's uh it you know i told him and i wholeheartedly believe it as i uh sang to you uh talking about my 70s playlist 
I, I, if they go with another 70s song, they need to do Brandy by Looking Glass. They need to. Mm. I don't know if they have the vocals for that song, though. I mean, they've got a good range, and they can sing some high-pitch awesome stuff, but Brandy, you got to have a skanky 70s voice to sing that song. <laughs> so true. You got to have some hamburger meat coming out of your unbuttoned shirt with some gold chains hanging down. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna work if you're in a, I don't, a yonder mountain string band. I don't know. It's gonna be tough for them. But yeah. regardless, that's still my vote. That's their, okay. that's their most popular song on Spotify is "Dancing in the Moonlight." So that's a cover of an old song. It's a cover of an old song, man. That's not their oh. song. Nope. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, I'm not. One. I'm not trying to have you turn around from the yonder mountain string band version. Not but, gonna happen. But, but give it a listen. Give the King okay. Harvest uh, uh, version a listen. It's interesting to hear. There's definitely, I mean, I would say the original, the, the King Harvest version, it's a lot more R&B, uh, uh, disco-y to a degree, you know? Okay. 70s Rocky to a degree. Uh, yeah. There's just some vibes of the era that you feel in, in that version that you don't feel in the Yonder Mountain String Band. So true. But no doubt, the Yonder Mountain String Band was very popular because, like I said, it's got like 11 million streams on Spotify by itself. So Yeah. And 9 million of those were Mike in Hawaii. Most crazy. of them, yeah. Jeez, they crazy. Were, I would say a lot of them, yeah. Non-stop. Just every second, Mike would replay it. It was it's just Again. such a good, Again. good vibe. Just such a it good is. song. They just, it just, I don't know. That that's the thing that I love about '70s one-hit wonders, though. Like most of '70s one-hit wonder songs, are just such a good vibe. You're just like, ow, man. Like yeah. Maria, my sweet Maria, and 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 Brandy, like all of them. You're just like, yeah, you guys had it yeah. right. You this had was it. it. You had it right. The pubes were flowing. The <laughs> wine was flowing. It was great. Yeah. It's great. Anyways, I'm very happy to have Yonder Mountain String Band on. The the, the show is fantastic. Uh, if you're in Florida, go see one of their shows. Yes! They're going to be in St. Pete first. It's going to be good times. They're going to be all over the state. You need to check them out. They're, uh, I mean, if you like their music on record, you'll like it tenfold in person. They're, they're a jam band from way back. They know how to rock that stage. So true. It's going to be. You You heard Nick. He brings the fire every night. He brings it. So you, you want you want to see it. He brings it. You see it. You'll both come and get it. Rolling Stone. There it is. There you go. Come and get it. <laughs> Theme of this show, guys. Uh, Mike, we need to go get some birthday suits. We mm. need to do it. Okay. Um... Okay, we've got a rapper, we've got a basketball player. Who you want first? Um, let's go with the rapper. All right. Who do we uh, got? This one, not the most well-known. I like this rapper, but we'll see if you get it. Uh, All right. Born on March 9th, 1990 in Compton, California. Mm, Compton. Birthday suit wear was introduced to gang life at a young age. Ended up being in the Blood Street Gang by 2006. Mm. Only 16. He was fully in the Bloods. While he was in the gangster world, he became, an, uh, he became interested in rapping. And by 2012, he had gained enough interest to attract Young Jeezy and Jeezy's label CTE World. 
but he ended up releasing his first album on Def Jam in 2013. It was called My Crazy Life. His second album was released in 2015 called Still Crazy. Hmm. His first single was called Twist My Fingers. The second single was titled I Wanna Benz, featuring Nipsey Hussle and 50 Cent. In 2018, he released his third album, Stay Dangerous. Name that birthday suit where? No idea. No idea. Uh, We'll see if the name jogs your memory. YG. Oh, yeah. YG. I have a couple of his songs, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, YG, man. Uh, Standing for Young Gangsta. That's that's what the YG stands for, Mm. because he was a young gangsta in the Bloods. Yeah, he Uh, was. The yeah. Bloods, they seem like a serious group. I don't uh, yeah. That's a fact. don't want to tango with those guys, you know. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Back back in the day, we had uh, we had a guy that uh, had a lot of affiliation with uh, the the uh, Blood uh, Crip uh, life uh, in California. Yes! Quincy White uh, lived in Athens Park. Serious gang culture there. It was wild. Mm. He actually, uh, uh, interviewing him, I, I felt like I needed to go back and watch this documentary that uh, one of his relatives was actually in about uh, gang life. Whew! Whew! Serious stuff, man. I was like, yeah. I had none of that growing up, that's for sure. I mean, Mike didn't grow, and Mike grew up without lockers, but I don't think he had any of that going on. That's, yeah. Not a whole lot of gang activity that I know of. That's that's some serious so. stuff, man. I uh, pass. He grew up in it, but YG came out with some pretty good songs. You got to give it to him. There's mm-hmm. a lot of yeah, a lot of good jams he has. Uh, okay, next one here. Basketball player, born Basketball. on March 9th, 1980, a decade before YG, mm-hmm. uh, in Santa Clara, California. Birthday suit wearer, loved sports growing up, playing both football and basketball. He was all city and all state in both sports. Jeez. He decided to go to UCLA to play basketball, played for four years. After school, he was drafted 46th overall by the Memphis Grizzlies, who traded him to uh, Cleveland. Cleveland moved him to their D-League team. Hmm. He was then dropped altogether after the season, and he, uh, he uh, played a year in the ABA. Which, side note, I didn't know this, Mike. Jacksonville has the most winning uh, team in the ABA, the Jacksonville Giants. Word. And Jacksonville Giants have the best regular season attendance of any ABA team. Well, yeah, they win. (laughs) Like a couple years ago, they had a regular attendance of like 8,000 people. And I was like, holy crap. Good Lord. It's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's the way the Doc G Show live shows are going to be soon. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, Fantastic. Sure. We'll just do a halftime show real quick. <laughs> All right, guys, here's Wonderwall. All right, see you later. <laughs> um, anyways, after being in the ABA, he was signed uh, with another contract to Los Angeles Clippers. Then he signed uh, with the Kings. Then he played for the Knicks. Then the 76ers. Then the Golden State Warriors for three seasons. Then the Phoenix Suns. Then the Orlando Magic. Then the Lakers for two years. Then the Clippers for three years. Then the Grizzlies. Then the Kings. Finally, 
In 2017, Golden State Warriors, where he won a championship and retired. One of his most notorious moments in the NBA was when he faked throwing a ball at Kobe Bryant's ah, face during go, an out-of-bounds play, and Kobe didn't flinch. He was also fined $50,000 in 2015 during the playoffs for apparently making comments about James Harden's mom. What? He's now <laughs> host a podcast with Steven Jackson called All the Smoke Podcast. Name yeah. that birthday suit wearer. Uh, is it like, I want to say his first name is Matt. It is. And his last name is, I don't know why I'm blanking out, but I know exactly who you are talking about. Think of Great a, uh, uh, a uh, building structure on a farm. Hmm. Matt Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes is correct. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Uh, one of my favorite role players in basketball, Matt Barnes. Loved him. Such a character, man. Yeah, he is. Yes. Such a care. I loved him on those those first three seasons when he played for Golden State, 2006 to 2009. That yeah. was that same run where they had Baron Davis, uh, where in the playoffs they upset the number one seed uh, Denver Nuggets, and they were hmm. the number eight seed. Woo! Oh man, and 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 uh, Baron Davis had a dunk. Oh, that's still one of my top ten in-game dunks of all time. I gotta check this out. I want to see this. Baron Davis. I want to say, yeah, Baron Davis, two thousand six playoffs dunk. It'll come up. That'll be the first thing you see. It is. It is impressive. I mean, he goes up against. I forget the guy's name. His nickname was AK. Uh, on on the uh, on I want to say the it might have been the Jazz might have been Jazz. Anyways, whoever they were, they were a much higher seed than the Golden State Warriors, and the Golden State Warriors ended up winning. And that team was just you know what they went out and got it, Mike. They went out yeah. and got it. They, they went uh, out and got it. They did it, man. They didn't win a championship, but they got a playoff win. So yeah, you know. You know, I'm just saying. Matt Barnes turning 42. Jeez. Mm. 42. Not looking bad for 42s. Keeping no, keeping in shape all. there. He looks the same age. That guy does not age. He did. Yeah, no, that's pretty true. Uh, he just uh, he just gained some tattoos throughout his yeah. time in the NBA. That's pretty much it. Everything else mm -hmm. looked pretty much the exact same. Same lanky 6'7 dude that he always was. Yeah. Just, so funny when you think about that, because like when you see him on TV and he's six seven, you're just like normal dude, and then you see yeah. him in person, you're just like, holy crap, that guy is yeah. tall. Like it's, it's wild. Just, it's a real eye opener. You forget. You're like, oh yeah, they're yeah. insanely tall. I forgot. Okay. Even even the basketball players that seem small are also still like tall guys. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, like me. John Morant looks like a pretty short dude, and he's still like yeah. two inches taller than me. And like, uh, you know, you're like, oh wow, I forgot. Yeah, you're super tall. Yeah. But then then that's the thing. Then you see John Morant 
besides Steven Adams, and Steven Adams is like a foot and a half taller than him. And you're like, yeah. good God, that guy is <laughs> huge. And you don't notice it when they've got the overhead shot, right? Mm -hmm. It's only no. when they actually come down to the level of the players that you're just like, it's like the, the other day on the uh, uh, on Instagram, I actually saw a post. They had uh, Russell Westbrook dunking over Rudy Gay of uh, mm -hmm. of the Jazz. Yeah, it was because you know Russ is a pretty short guy relative yeah. to everybody. Relative, like he's yeah. like six three, six four, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he just jumped, and Rudy Gay's like seven three, and yeah. he just like springboard like there was a trampoline and just but it was on height of the floor like a floor seat actual view it was insane to see from yeah. that view i was just like did i just did i just see a <laughs> lion jump out of a herd there like it's crazy just just <laughs> you you forget the superhuman power of these folks yeah. and their superhuman height but he got uh he took all the uh the hate from all the fans and put it all in that one dunk. Just maybe. that one dunk. And then he was ran out and he was that like, was damn it. it, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. He's got a lot of hate, man. A lot of hate. Yeah, he has. Just, I just, feel kind of bad for him, to be honest with you. I feel a little just, bad. I feel real bad. I, I knew at yeah. the beginning of the season. I told everybody I could tell. Uh I was like, that was a bad move. They shouldn't have got him. That's not gonna work. That's it's fact. gonna be like it's gonna be like the Lakers. Uh, a whole bunch of years ago when they got Carl Malone on there and they were like, well, mm. we're and you're like, you're not winning a championship with Carl Malone and Gary Payton. They're old and they don't mix with the team you got now. Nope. Yeah. And what happened? They screwed up. They didn't work. It didn't work mm -hmm. together. It's the same thing. It wasn't, it didn't take a, a basketball savant genius to know that wasn't going to work. Nope. Not going to work. And it didn't hmm. work. And you feel bad for, for Wes. You're just like, man, Put him on some team that has nobody good on there so he can just go out the and magic. score 60. Yeah. Yeah. The magic. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd appreciate it. You'd be I watching the you'd be watching those games and you'd be like, triple yeah. double, 60 yeah. points again. Yeah. Like we lost. Who cares? <laughs> well, and you'd probably drag him to like at least like a play-in game, you know? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I got really sidetracked. That has nothing to do with Matt Barnes <laughs> or anything else. Uh, we got to wrap up the show. Uh, we've got a fantastic show, though, coming up next week. We've got, uh, as I, I think I've told you uh, last week, Mike, we've got sort of a do it, uh, do it, do everything guy, a Swiss Army knife, if you will, Pete Muller. Pete Love Muller. It. He's a. Uh, I mean, he's he's made. All kinds of moolah on the stock market, being an analyst, a computer yeah. analyst of the stock market. That's my guy he, right there. He's also written uh, crossword puzzles for the uh, for Washington Post and New Next York level. Times. Crazy, crazy. He's and he, he he's <laughs> he's say he saved live music during the pandemic. He was all about like getting these different places not to fold and not to have to close their business because they weren't having shows. He's done it all, man. Very excited to have Pete on the uh, on the show. We're going to have him next week. Uh, but other than that, Mike, it's time to wrap up the show. I've been your host, uh, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Fernicus Charette. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Of course, and next week, we will see you then. Until then, zip it up and zip it out.
Zippity-doo-dah.